Happy Sabbath, everyone. It's good to be here again. Tom and I have been doing some traveling this week. <laughs> Sandy was very helpful. She drove me up to Camp Asaba for a second trip this week, and we had a good drive. She She's a good driver during the daytime. <laughs> as long as we don't get talking too much, we don't usually miss our turnoffs. <laughs> so that was fun. You know, the Lord's really blessing here. We look and see how God is blessing. We, we have some visitors here. Praise the Lord. All of you folks that are here visiting, we just thank you for being here with us, choosing to worship with us. We appreciate that. And like Tom said, you know, I don't want to look at it over there, but we are streaming live, so praise the Lord for that too. Um, our pastor-to-be, um, actually is, our, I guess, our pastor, effective February 1st, um, I was talking to him, not to steal his thunder or anything, but he is into technology. And so the Lord has been working in our hearts to get technology here, and we've got the desire and we've got the abilities amongst us, and so we're just praising the Lord that somebody that's coming on board that's going to take us to the next level. And so we just praise Him, praise God for providing and leading and directing in our lives because he is faithful and he knows where he wants us to be. And like uh, Pastor George Dronin shared in a text with us this week, use your faith, take your foot off the brake. Think of that. Use your faith, take your foot off the brake. Let God do the driving, let him do the leading. Let's bow our heads. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can trust you. Father, you are in the driver's seat, and there are no brake pedals anywhere else in the vehicle. Help us, Father, to not get in the way, but help us to let you lead and drive and take us home. Father, we want to go home. Be with us now as we open your word. We thank you, Father, for each one that is here, those that are virtually here, those who are listening. Father, may your name be glorified, and may your kingdom come into our hearts this day. May we indeed have the mind of Christ. In his name we ask, amen. When I used to work at the community college back in Illinois 10 years ago, there was a sign the fire science department put up, and it said, if you see something, say something. Now, I was never a fireman. My dad was a volunteer fireman. I know, we, I know we have some people here, Guy and some others maybe have been fire, volunteer firemen or whatever over the years, and we appreciate what you do because not everybody can just do that, go into a burning building or go to an accident scene, which I've seen a couple, and God only knows the suffering that's going on. But whenever you're the firefighters, especially there at the college, they were trying to train the guys. If you see something happening, especially if you see smoke, there's not a fire, but if you see smoke, say something to the commander because he knows what's going on. And so whenever we see something, we are often afraid to say something. Psalms 56 verse 3 says, Psalms 56 verse 3 what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Psalms, I want to double check myself. Psalms 56, verse 3. There's a your story hour story that um, I'm reminded of. It says, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Or in the King James Version, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Whenever 
Satan throws something at us and we're afraid, our tendency is to run or to submit and fail. God has created a beautiful world around us. And so many times, Satan will use the beauty of this world to enrapture our minds, and we lose sight of the fact that we have a great creator who designed all these things, and we look at the creation. If we see somebody that's falling on that wayside, we need to say something in love, in kindness and goodness. We need to be of that mind of Christ that would be like Christ not to point out their faults, but to step by their side and say, let me help you. Whenever Bethany and I used to go storm spotting, this is B.C. before children, we would go out in the middle of the country and we find an open spot, hopefully not near, what's that? No power, no power lines. <laughs> yeah, don't want to be around power lines when lightning starts going. And we would look to the west, to the southwest, typically, and we would look for the signs of a funnel cloud developing. And Bethany, even though she hadn't been to as many classes as I had, she picked up on it really quick, so she was a spotter. I was just the driver. But it was fun. It was exciting. It was the energy. But it was even more than that. The ability that you're out there serving your community in a dangerous situation, but yet you've got the knowledge how to get out of that situation. You've already got your route of escape planned and all these things. You've got your communications link. You've got everything you need. You're out there doing a job. Volunteer, but you're out there doing a job. We're, we were looking for the signs. Some of the signs were a low-hanging cloud, clouds going up above in one direction and another direction. They're lower level, they're going in a different direction. Um, there's so many different signs we were looking for. But all of these signs are pointing to something is developing in nature that could be coming down. Whenever we see somebody about to fall, we don't need to put our foot out and help them. We need to pick them up and say, hey, that's not where God wants you to be. Get your mind off of that. We had a person here a couple weeks ago telling of his struggles with pornography. He shared some details with us. And, you know, I was thinking about his testimony. Satan was using what God intended to be a blessing as a huge curse. God created us beautiful. But that was not God's intention that we worship that. God's intention was that, like King Nebuchadnezzar in the lesson today, what did he say? I praise and extol the God of heaven. Was he looking at his phone? No, he was looking up at the sky and saying, God, look what you've done. And look what Daniel and his, you know, Daniel and his three friends during that time period, where were they? They weren't running around playing games. They were supporting the king. They were helping the king, even though the king was crazy and all the nation knew about it. Sometimes you hear stories and people try and hide that. The king, was it was literally known throughout the kingdom what was going on. Everybody knew. But they weren't trying to split and subdivide the kingdom. They were working through that. And God wants us to support people in their weaknesses and help them. To get our minds off the technology 
and look at the one who designed the logic for the technology that we can do more things with. What would the world have been like if Nebuchadnezzar's children and grandchildren had taken their minds off of the idols, and we don't want to even think about the idols they had back then, but taking the minds off the idols and looking to the creator, what could Babylon have become? It could have been the center of the world. It could have been the most powerful, abiding kingdom, but because of their taking their eyes off of God. And you look at Daniel chapter 5, and we're going to talk about it next week in Sabbath school lesson. You knew this, Belshazzar. You knew it. And you still, how many of us grow up in the church? We know it. I don't care. I'm going to do my stuff. It's more important that I do my stuff. I want to make my money. I want to do my thing. God says, this is not the time. This is not the place. This is my holy sanctuary. We are going to be here, and we're going to worship God. Mrs. White says, keep your wants, your joys, your sorrows, your cares, your fears before God. You cannot burden him. You cannot weary him. He knows the hairs of your head. Is not indifferent. He who knows the hairs of your head is not indifferent to the wants of his children. You know, some of us, the number is getting smaller. <laughs> our days are numbered <laughs> by our hairs almost. But he who numbers the hairs of your head is not indifferent to the wants of his children. The Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Imagine what God could have done with Lucifer if Lucifer would have said, I'm sorry. And honestly meant it. What could he have done? In Daniel chapter 9, verse 18, Daniel saw that the cause of Israel's captivity, he saw what was the cause of it. Let's look, go to Daniel chapter 9, verse 18. Daniel chapter 9. You know, Mrs. White says, there will come a day when the Holy Spirit could be falling all around us and we will be oblivious to it. Do we really want to go there? Do we seriously want, is our world so much wrapped up in our hands that we cannot even look up and say, praise the Lord? We are so dedicated to the idol that we have that's powered by a lithium battery, whatever. Is that where we want to go? No. Daniel chapter 9, verse 18. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of, your, because of our righteous deeds, but because of what? What does it say? Your great mercies. It's because of God's great mercies. Daniel's pleading, Lord, because of your great mercies. It's not what we've done. Look what we've done. Look exactly what we've done. Starting with Jeconiah and going back to Solomon, they each were wrapped up in their own little world. And they, some of them did. Some of them lifted their heads up and said, oh, oh, Lord, look what we've done. But no, they were all looked down at their navels like, look what I can do, look what I can do. It's all about self-worship. God wants us to look to him because we cannot do it of ourselves. We've been working on a station down in Detroit, seeing if we can get 
an opportunity to build a station there. And we finally have an option down there. And we've put a letter of intent to move forward on that. And so we're going to be raising funds and all that. Why are we trying to reach into Detroit? There are people down there who have not heard of the goodness of God. All they hear is support the church, you'll go to heaven. Do good, you'll go to heaven. If you don't support the church, if you don't do good, you're going to go to hell and burn forever. Really? So that's the motivation to go to church so you can go to heaven. And nothing about relationship, nothing about God being your creator. They think they've been taught, a lot of the people in this world, you know, they have been taught that they are an accident. Well, that's not true. They have been taught that they're just the primordial mush and that once they're dead, you know, whatever. That's not what the scripture teaches us. The scripture teaches us that we are the center of God's attention. His whole focus is on our lives, not to see if we're going to mess up, but to see if we can trust him. If we're willing to take the foot off the brakes and let him do what he's wanting to do through us. In Daniel chapter 10, verses 11 through 13, Daniel chapter 10, verses 11 through 13, and this is, um, I believe Gabriel, he's speaking, and he says, and he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved. Now, was God's focus only on Daniel? No. God's focus was on Daniel because Daniel was there listening to God. He took his foot off the brakes, and he's saying, okay, Lord, use me. And so now he has somebody that's listening to him, somebody that's tuned in to him. And he says, okay, Daniel, I'm going to communicate something wonderful to you. But there is a problem. There is this joker called the prince of, what was it? Read verse, two, verse 11. Greatly beloved, understand the words I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you while he was speaking with while he was speaking this word to me, I was stood trembling. And then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. God was hearing your prayer. God was listening. But because the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me, how long did he withstand him? 21 days. That's three weeks. That's a long time. Daniel's praying every day. 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. So Gabriel's there, and he is, he is told, now you need to go over there and talk to Daniel, but the, there's a force that says, no, I'm not going to let you go. So finally, Michael comes down and says, let him pass. And so he comes to Daniel. And then if you read at the end of the chapter, he's like, I still got to go do this job, but I want to tell you something. In the world we're in right now, we are in a spiritual warfare. We have seen it. Tom and I have run into it. We see it. You've seen it. But we've seen it up close. And God still has a way through that. And part of that is, again, take your foot off the brakes. Trust God to move forward. And it's amazing. Even sometimes when we're still tapping on the brakes, he's like, okay, I'm working this one. And he's still working through us. God has called us to be the restorers of the breach. Isaiah 58, verse 12. He has called us to be a restorer of the breach. 
there is a breach in society. There's a breach between us and man, between mankind and God. We are to do our part. Christ has done his part, but we are called to do a part. And that part is to represent, to have a Christ-like personality, to have the mind of Christ. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4, I was reading this as one of the texts for the lesson this week, and this verse stood out to me, and I wanted to share it. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4 says, Let each of you look out not only for his own interests. So is God saying through Paul, don't ever focus on your own stuff? No. He's saying not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of who? Others. Others. So look out for the guy sitting next to you. You know, if, my, if I was sitting in the back seat right now, my wife would be elbowing me. Hey, wake up. <laughs> look out for the person next to you because they not, may not be getting what's coming to them. Like, You know, as I've been talking to Jonathan, and praise the Lord, they have no long-distance charges, toll-free calling from law to home. And he calls us just about every morning and just about every evening, and we enjoy his calls. And I usually end the call with a prayer whenever I'm talking to him. And Bethany does too. Praying, Lord, please speak to this boy. Because there's a lot of stuff going on in his little world. And praise the Lord, the Lord's still working. But in this we see the interests of others. Look at verse 5. Let this mind. Now is it, okay, we got to get a brain transplant no, it's what was the character of Christ? His father's character. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So have a Christ-like mind. So if you're driving down, interstate, what is it, Bethany, 96, you're going down 131, and you get past Grand Rapids, and you go 96, is it, and you're going 196, and you're going down past South Bend, and you see these pictures of these young ladies up there, you say, you could either have two thoughts. One would be not what we're supposed to have, or one would say, oh, Lord, I bet they regret that. Please be with them. And whenever you look at that situation and you say, I bet they regret it. I bet they're just, it's a, more, a miserable life. Then all of a sudden, the, the veil is taken off, and you see, this is what Satan wants to do. What did he do to Eve? He stripped her. What did he do to Christ? He stripped him. He wants to strip us. But the whole point goes back to what is God going to do to him? He's going to reveal his character to the entire earth. Our mind, if our mind is of the mind of Christ, that stuff, all you can do is say, oh, Lord, they need help. They're in that industry. They need help. But I can't go there, Lord, so send somebody else or please just please be with that person, but help my mind not to go there because... As guys, our minds do go there. And we say, Lord, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. It's been there before, and it wasn't good. And only Lord needs to know what happened. But, Lord, I'm beyond that, because I want my mind to be of the mind of Christ. Because when when the Lord comes, am I going to be looking around to see what I can see, or am I going to look to see Lord and say, he's here. 
He's my only focus. That's where our mind should be. He is our only focus. No matter what Satan throws in front of us. And I can tell you, one time I had dial-up internet. And I don't know where it came from, but I saw a bunch of pictures. And I was like, Lord, where did that come from? Never been to there before. He'll throw it in front of you at any time. We can look at it and we can say, God, you're an amazing creator. And I have a mind of Christ. It's behind me. You know, there are some people, they'll argue with you. If you say you've got blue eyes, they're like, no, I don't. I don't have blue eyes, and they'll give you some other shade of blue, but they're not blue. There are folks, and I hope I don't offend anybody on the stream or here or whatever, but they're called the Flat Earth Society, okay? Now, I'm not getting political. I'm just telling you a, a true story that was documented by a newspaper reporter back in 1969 in Louisville, Kentucky. There was a ham radio operator who heard about the Apollo moon landing. And he thought, you know what? I bet you this is all fake. I bet you they're going to edit. I bet you they're going to do all this stuff. And everything we see on TV is just going to be a sham. So what did he do? He went into a ham radio convention and got a used World War II Army tank radio took it home and modified it so he could listen on the frequencies that the astronauts were going to be talking on in their spacesuits back to um, the lunar module, which takes it back on the link to the Earth. And they're picking it up in Australia and California and Spain and all these places. He's listening to the voices not coming across the link. He's coming. He, was tu- he tuned in to Neil... And to Neil, um, thank you. I should know that. <laughs> he was tuned into the voice. He tuned into the radios. The, the spacesuits had 30 watt radios, and they were broadcasting on VHF. So he had an antenna. It was eight feet. He had two panels, eight feet. He had antenna, you know, the elements right here. And the newspaper reporter was helping him. And so they would keep track of the moon, and as the moon would shift, they would lose the signal. But when they got back on track with the moon, they were hearing what the astronauts were saying on the moon. No Hollywood involved there, no flatter society there. That was a link that he was picking up off of his modified radio. And to confirm it, he had his wife turn up the TV, and what he heard five seconds later came across the TV. And after the whole broadcast, he's like, well, I guess they played everything. Because everything he heard, he heard repeated on the TV. And the newspaper reporter they were talking about, just at the time he was late, they started to step out onto the, the moon. Wouldn't you know, he ran out of tape. And so they had to load up the tape again, and they kept recording. It was scratchy, but it was there. They could recognize what was being said. And so there are folks out there that you can present to them the truth, and they're going to argue with you. That's not your problem. That's God's problem. You present the truth. And if they stay stuck on their idol, you can help them and help them and help them. And bless their hearts, like they say down south. You know, you can, like we learned that this week, Sandy. You can cut somebody down, but you say bless their heart or bless your heart, and that's okay. Really? <laughs> that's what we learned. So the point of it is, bless their heart. God's still working on them. He worked through Nebuchadnezzar. It took him a while. He's working on us. He'll take a while. He worked on my dad. 
my dad's best friend took him into the bar, and my dad's like, okay. And his friend's getting drunk, and all of a sudden he starts preaching a three angels message. Saturday is the Sabbath? When you die, you, you don't. My dad's like, no, Sunday. No, no, you're wrong. It's Sabbath. Saturday is Sabbath. When you die, you don't go to heaven. You're not conscious. You're asleep. My dad's friend is drunk teaching all this stuff, and that's not the place to be, but the point of it is God can even use a donkey to preach, a drunk donkey at that. We've all seen the massive bridge up north, the Mackinac Bridge. Massive. Some of you remember before the bridge, you know. That was was a massive project. The bridge that couldn't be built. It's fascinating to go see the museum. Tom loves museums. He took me to a couple of them. We went to some of the museums. And the funny thing is, you know, whenever Bethany and I got married here in 1995, where do we go for our honeymoon? The UP. Everywhere we went has a radio station now. Praise the Lord. That's the way he works. It's just like, oh, isn't that cool? So when we went to the museum for the uh, Mackinac Bridge, you see all the infrastructure that it took to build that bridge. So no longer do you have to have this barge or this boat or whatever, the, the ferry taking people across, and then the ice cutters this time of year to make a way through. Now, when my dad was a kid up in Montreal, they didn't have ice cutters. The trucks just drove across the ice because the ice was so thick. They had the toll, the toll bridge, or you could drive across the ice in the wintertime. And so... Uh, the truckers took the ice route. But up in the Mackinac Bridge, it is so massive, so big, and yet it came from an idea, a plan. They moved forward. They finally figured out how they could do it. God had a plan from before the beginning of creation. He knew there was going to be a huge gulf between mankind and him called sin. And his goal in this was that Lucifer would not rebel, but he would say, I'm sorry. But Satan would not. And so God had to plan through this. And I'm not trying to rewrite scripture. I'm just saying God gave him the opportunity. If God gives Satan the opportunity, wouldn't it it make sense that Satan could have said, yes, I'm sorry? Wouldn't it make sense? But he chose not to. And so God says, okay, if he chooses not to, I've got a plan in place. And ironically, that's what Lucifer wanted to be a part of. He wanted to be a part of that whole planning process. And God says, you can't add to it. You cannot add to our knowledge. And so God had a plan to send himself, send his son down here to be a part of that plan. And through his son's birth and life and death, he would build a bridge across that gulf of sin to reconnect us back to our Heavenly Father. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, right there, we could look at the Sabbath and say, isn't it nice to not have to worry about the technology of our offices or our work or whatever? God has given us a rest. But even beyond that, he is giving us a rest from Satan's continual attacks. How? 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we could go up to Mackinac Straits, and we could say, well, I'm going to do it. Okay, let's load up the van on the wooden barge. Let's build a platform. Let's put the van on the barge, and let's row ourselves across. And then, you know, all the currents and everything, and we're going to make it across there. Hope that goes well. You get across like, oh, look what I did. Okay, well, and that's a bridge. You could have drove across, but you're trying to do it by yourself. In life, with our lives, all of our best works are going to sink. It's only Christ who's going to get us across. But we have to have the mind of Christ. We have to have him in ourselves, in our lives. The burdens that the, the boats used to carry across the, the Straits of Mackinac, the bridge can handle it now. We went up to, we went to UP camp meeting, and I'll give it a plug. If you want to go to a very blessed camp meeting, go to the UP camp meeting next, when is it, Bethany? Labor Day weekend. You won't regret it. It's a huge blessing. It's very calm. They've got canoes. They've got, if you like fishing, they've got fishing there. It's small, but it's a very blessed time. So commercial's over. God has crossed the gulf through Jesus Christ. How did he do that? Through our Lord and Savior Jesus. Like John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, 1 John chapter 1. You know, I don't put the uh, scriptures because I want to read it with you all. So if I'm slow, that gives you more time to look it up. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If, what's the first word? If. What was the first word Satan used against Jesus? If. Okay, let's look at God's usage of the word if. If we, what's the next word? Confess. If we confess our sins. He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from what? All? All what? Unrighteousness. Now, making the point, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I just saw Samuel listening to the earphones. You're trusting, Samuel, I'm not pointing you out, but you're trusting that the microphone is going to the PA system and it's going to the transmitter and it's going to your receiver, which is also being broadcast over here. We have complete faith that when we flip the light switch on, the lights are going to come on. We have complete faith that when we put the key in the car, the engine's going to start. We have complete faith that when we open up our phones, we can get the technological connections that we need. We have complete faith in this, but when we look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, we're like, not me. I'm too bad. I blew it. God can't save me. I, don't, I had a boss that say, I'm not even going to go into church because the roof would collapse. No, I think we built it just good and strong. I remember building that, helping build it. Not that I built it, but I remember they helped build the roof in our church there in Decatur, Illinois, and it's strong. It's not about the structure. 
It's about the spirit of the people inside. And it's not even that. The spirit could be bad. But like my dad used to say, I don't care who the male person is. I'm just looking forward to what's coming through the mail. In, for, in Matthew chapter 1, there's an interesting thing. that as, There's always a story behind the story. In Matthew chapter 1, we have, and this is probably one of my mother-in-law, Ruthie's, favorite things, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Who begot who? You know, and it's interesting. You know, this is funny. Whenever I was a little kid, I'm talking little, whenever we first moved into the small town where my mom grew up when we were, I was five or six, we would go over to my great-grandparents' house, and my grandma, and I'm not making fun of it, but they had photo albums of gravestones. Okay? They had, maybe that's normal. I don't know. But there's photo albums of all the graves of all the people that have died. Instead of having a picture of them, they had the gravestones. And so I remember looking at all these gravestones. And on Sabbath afternoon, sometimes we would go out to the cemetery and like, okay, so grandma's buried here and her brother's buried over there. In the great, and we would, that was our Sabbath afternoon sometimes. Won't it be nice when Jesus comes? Did you notice all the graves are pointing east? And that, well, they're pointing east because, you know, that whole thing. Look at this. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay, verse 2. Abraham, what's the next word? How long did that take? He was 75 years old when God gave him the promise, you're going to have a child. And how old was he whenever his wife finally conceived? And 25 years. That's a long time to wait. Lord, it's not working. Okay, what's the next one? Isaac begot Jacob. There was another wait. Jacob begot Judah. Jacob, did, he thought his brother was going to kill him. Do you realize every time that word begot is used, it's just not the fact that somebody gave birth, but because of all the things that God did in that person's life to bring him together with this lady here, this young lady here, now you have another child. The world takes a huge focus on the act of begot and like, oh, God said, this is my plan. I've got a beautiful system in place. And so as you read through this, verse 3, Judah begot Perez by, now whenever the word by pops up in the genealogies, something happened. What happened? By Tamar. Uh-oh. Then you go on the next a little bit, verse 5. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Who was Rahab? Something happened there. And then Boaz begot Obed by... Oh, by is there again. Something else happened here. God had a plan. They took a side turn. God's like, okay, I'm good. I can keep this focused. Then go to verse 10. Hezekiah begot... Was that before or after the sun went back 10 degrees? After. God had a plan. Then you go down to verse 11. Josiah begot Jeconiah and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylonian. What did Nebuchadnezzar typically do to the young men once he got them into the kingdom? Done with the genealogy, right? Nope. After they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shealtiel, and Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel. 
Sarah Babel was one of the guys that went back, right? Wasn't he one of the guys that went back to Jerusalem? Okay. Zerubbabel begot Abed, Abed begot Eliakim, Eliakim begot Azor, Azor begot Zadok, Zadok begot... Go down, verse 16. Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary. What's happening here? So, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David to the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are how many generations? 14 generations. Okay, math people. 14 plus 14 plus 14 is what? 42. The first baby was almost impossible that would ever be born, right? She was 90 years old. How many people are here 90 that want to have a, you know? Is it even likely? No. The last baby, completely impossible. You read the story. Joseph said it wasn't mine. He says, okay, I'm, I'm not me. I don't want to humiliate her, but it wasn't me. 42 babies, one on the front, one on the back, impossible. 40 times through there. Does 40 ring a number in the Bible? God was working through this family. Even though they had their bumps and wrinkles, God still had a plan for this life, for their family. God sent his son to bridge the gap so that we could have the mind of Christ. If we see God's faithfulness in our lives, we will need to say something when we see someone, especially to those who are weary and are heavy laden. We could have a wealth of knowledge, but if we don't have the mind of Christ, it's not going to do us much good. It'll be interesting, you know, it'll be interesting for trivia, but the mind of Christ will say, Say something now, but say it this way. Say something now, but don't say it that way. Because you don't want to harm. Jesus, he had a reputation. He did not blow out a small, was the flax, the smoldering flax? Or he didn't break the reed? He was so gentle. The woman that was caught in the act, the woman that came down with her daughter, there was all these, you know, you look at John chapter 4, John chapter 8, all these people, he could have just slammed them. What did he do? Even the guy that was at the pool of Bethesda or the guy they let down, all these people had been in situations that they caused themselves. And, God's, and Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. The two demoniacs, where'd they get the clothes for those guys? Where did the food come for the feeding of the 5,000 families? Jesus was so, his mind was so focused on being a blessing to the people, he would not even think of taking advantage of somebody or taking an opportunity. That's the mind he wants us to have. If we see something, someone being tempted, love them. Pray earnestly for them through Christ's blood sacrifice. Ephesians chapter 2, 13. What's the last verse there? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13. I'm getting there. Yep. Verse 2 and verse chapter 2, 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by what? The blood of Jesus Christ. When Christ spilt his blood, that virtually welded earth to heaven 
And so whenever God restores his kingdom here on this earth, and he restores, imagine what he's going to do. He's going to set up his kingdom where Satan once said, this is mine. In all the universe, this was Satan's kingdom. God says, I'm not going to destroy it like you did. I'm going to glorify it. There was a story of two brothers. They were farmers, and they had, they had these huge farms next to each other. And for years, they worked in conjunction with each other. They were always sharing. They were always borrowing. They were always helping. Anytime one needed something, no matter what time of day or night, sure, no problem. But one day, something happened, and there was a little bit of friction between the two of them. And the friction built and built, and it was just a little misunderstanding, but it got worse and worse and worse. And finally, one of the brothers was so upset with the other brother, he went, there was a, there was a huge meadow between their two homes on their farms. And so there was a river, a levee that they'd built or something. And so he took his bulldozer, and he went out, and he dug out of that levee and flooded that meadow. And he's like, gotcha. Now you can't come to my farm anymore. And so the other brother's like, okay, I'll one-up you. I'm going to build a fence. And so he started the process, but he was a little bit older. And one day, he hears a knock on his door. And this carpenter says, coming through, he's like, you know, I'm looking for some work. I, you know, I'm a carpenter. I've got some tools here. And is there anything I can do to help you? And the man said, sure, you can build a fence for me. That idiot brother of mine over there, he did this and, you know, We've been so close all these years, and now we can't even talk. And look what he did. He made a creek between the two of our properties. Now I can't even go over to see him, you know. He's like, I'll fix him, build a fence. And here's all the materials, eight-foot fence, build it across there. And the carpenter said, okay, I think I know what I need to do. And so the farmer's like, okay, I'm going to leave for a while, and here's the wood, here's the lumber, here's everything you need. Here's, if you need my tools, here's my shed. And so the farmer leaves. And so the, the carpenter starts working really hard because he doesn't know how much time he has, but he's like, I need to get this done. So he builds and builds and builds all day long. And so the farmer finally comes home. And he goes down out of his house. He walks down there. And he's like, what did you do? And the guy said, well, I did what you asked He's like, I didn't tell you to build that. I told you to build a wall. You built a bridge. And on the other side of the bridge was his brother. He's like, I can't believe you. I did this horrible thing, and now you built a bridge across that to relink us together. And the older brother's like, no, I didn't. But then he realized it was silly. The misunderstanding was not worth losing the relationship with his brother. And so the two of them met at the center of the bridge, hugged each other, were weeping, and they were saying, I am so sorry. He reestablished that link. And so they turned to the carpenter like, hey, we got more work for you. He's like, no, no, I've got more bridges to build. Christ came down to build a bridge to connect us with his heavenly father because he does not want to see us in Satan's snares anymore. It's his blood. Our closing song is number 495. Number 495.